When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Hello, I'm Josh Whittacombe. And I'm Rob Beckett. Welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell, the show in which Rob and I discuss what it's like to be a parent during lockdown, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, in an effort to make some kind of sense of the current situation... And to make me feel better about my increasingly terrible parenting skills... Each episode we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how well they're coping. Or hopefully not. And we will be hearing from you, the listener, with your tales of lockdown parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, none of us know what we're doing. Hello, you are listening to Lockdown Parenting Hell with... Can you say Josh Whittacombe? Josh Whittacombe. And can you say Rob Beckett? Rob Beckett. There you go. Wow, look at that. That was exceptional. And also, it feels like the, the, the child has lost the Scouse accent. Yes, it does. Or hasn't learnt it yet. So that's Heidi. Uh, and Yvonne describes herself as Heidi's very common ma. Hey, love the show. This is my three-year-old and three-month enunciating names quite frequently. I moved back to Liverpool a year ago during lockdown from middle-class organic munch in Cardiff to the sugar butties land of Liverpool. I mean, no offence to Cardiff. (laughs) I was thinking that myself. I love Cardiff. It's a great city. I would never call it sort of like a a hippie utopia. No, no. I don't know if you've been out on a night out in Cardiff. I, I reckon if I'd said, how do you think this sentence ends, we would have fulfilled the podcast length before you'd guessed the word Cardiff. (laughs) At a push, Bristol, if you wanted a city. Yeah, no one leaves Bristol and saying, this is a little bit too mainstream for me, I'm going Cardiff. (laughs) No, exactly. Yeah, but anyway, so she's moved from Cardiff back to Liverpool. Yes. I'm attempting to reverse my fair lady with Heidi and rewarding her dropped syllables. However, she continues to articulate like a well-bred aristocrat. Are you, um, how are you, Rob? I'm good. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like I've had a pretty good week. Yeah. Um, you texted me before the episode and just said to me, it's been one of the worst weeks of your life and your daughter's completely changed personality. Is that correct? I would describe this as, do you ever get to the end of the day and think, thank God I will never have to live that again? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but normally that's for things like funerals, yes, or yes. you know, like quite traumatic events that have happened. Rob, I mean, I yes. found myself. I went out to the shed on Sunday, and there's a shed which has got it's got like alcohol, garden equipment, tools, and I'd say this shed is the size of maybe a large lift. 
okay? And I went into the shed, and I genuinely, I closed the door behind me, and I, for about a minute, I just stood there and imagined what it would be like if I just lived alone in the shed <laughs> and how much happier I'd be. I just thought... Do you, you, know, you know stereotypes, right? Yeah. And everyone says, like, cliches and stereotypes. They're there for a reason. I don't know what it is, but men are drawn to a shed. I, I think it's just it's the closest building that no one wants to go in. Yes, I'd say... So that's your escape. I was like, I could just, I could probably just sleep on the floor and then I'd wake up. Do you know what? They, I think that's quite a good thing because they say the wealthiest man is not the man with the most money or, or the man with the most. It's the man that needs the least. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and I'd say all you need is the floor of a shed and a bit of some beer... <laughs> And you're happy. You're happy with that. I'd be so happy. What's forcing you there? Why? What's wrong in the house? I'd say all of us in the house are not having a good time, Rob. There's no one in the house <laughs> at the moment who is enjoying their life. Okay. So how how pregnant's Rose? Two and a half weeks to go. She can't barely move. She's also <laughs> yeah. She's got, I, I saw a thing on Instagram. She's using like she can. She's using the bumpers like a shelf now. She's at that level yeah, of pregnant. Yeah. Uh, if she lies in a certain way, she can't breathe. That kind oh, of God. thing. Being pregnant is so fucking horrible. It's and I, shit. I know, and it's hard to talk about because we never we can't obviously but we never have. <laughs> but like it's so shit. And I, I do it's people so sort of shit. Say, it say how amazing it is. And I just look them in the eye and think you're talking fucking bollocks. Mate. Oh my god. It can't be nice. Absolute crap. There is no way. It seems to me it's as shit as the worst hangover you've ever had combined yeah. with the worst injury you've ever had <laughs> for nine months. Oh, it's like going to a music festival, but you have to carry your tent all yeah. weekend. Oh, it's exactly. Yeah, you know, you know, when you're like, you're leaving the festival on the Monday morning. Yeah. And you're feeling awful and you've got a fucking bag on your back and you're carrying a tent. But it's not on your back, it's in your stomach. And you know it's got to come out of your body at some point. I mean, I don't know how big up to other pregos out there. Big up to all the pregos out there. You're doing a wonderful thing. But, Jesus, it looks rubbish. It looks really (laughs) rubbish. Because sometimes it's weird, isn't it? With like, because some there's some things my wife does that looks quite fun. Yeah, you know when yeah. women come in after a long day and take yeah. off their bra and they go, oh, yeah. that's so good. I'm jealous of that feeling. Yeah. I've never experienced it. That I look at that and think, oh, what? I mean, I could do that. I could wear a bra all the day. The feeling of of taking off heels must be amazing as well. Yes, exactly. Right, but the the feeling of being pregnant is something I don't. Oh. Fuck I can't imagine anything worse. It's, Fuck it's brutal. that. It looks awful. So Rose is having a terrible time. Yes. Um, and also the whole world is having the best time ever at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. If you look on Instagram, everyone's in pubs, getting drunk, who cares? And also just sitting outside on a wooden stool. That's hard being pregnant. You can't do that pregnant. No. You can't you... jostle for a table pregnant on Compton Street. It's only going to get worse as well as the world opens up further. We'll, we'll deal yeah. with that absolute <laughs> despair when it happens, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Right, so, yeah, no one's having a good time in your house. Rose is very pregnant. That's where we were at. And my daughter is... So she's very excited about having a younger brother. She keeps talking about it, but she's really struggling with the fact that Rose can't pick her up. Okay. And can't physically do stuff. Yes. And has to have a nap and stuff like that. And she... It's making her 
lose her shit to a level like it must be very difficult for her. I understand that she, you know, I'm not gonna lie, it's a big deal in her life. What's gonna happen? <laughs> There's not, a, not, a, not, not much else going on, is there really? No, no, exactly. To be honest, you know, watching an episode of My World Kitchen isn't really taking up her mind in the way it used to because she knows her life is about to be completely yeah. destroyed. And and her mum's not cuddling her as much and picking yeah. her up in the night and all that. Yeah, okay. And you. so, yeah, she, she can't get her out of the bath. Do you know what? Can I just say something, Josh? What's what's uh, difficult for you? This Is it only going to get worse? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've only got one hope, Rob. <laughs> what's, the, what's the hope? Which is that when... <laughs> The baby comes. Yeah. After Rose has recovered and she's able to pick her up our daughter and stuff like that. Yep. That's my hope that this is going to turn around. Yeah, but then what happens when Rose is holding the baby and or breastfeeding the baby? Rob, please don't do this. <laughs> I'm just saying that, that like now Rose can't pick up your daughter because it's physically too heavy, yeah. but going forward, you won't be able to pick up, and, and that's annoying for your daughter, but when she sees an, another child being cuddled by Rose, yeah. now she's got, she actually, there's an actual physical reason that she can see. I, I, I think, I, I think the truth of the matter is, Rob, we've made a mistake. Yeah, um, do you want to go into, do you want to stop here and go in the shed for a bit, or are you okay I to carry on? I would love to be in the shed. I'm broadcasting <laughs> from the shed at the moment, I haven't been out for two days. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So has she been naughty then, or is she just uh, crying when she can't get her own way type of thing? She just flips out. Like, she just flips out like she never did before, really. Like, she'd always flip out because she's a child. Yeah. But, like, she's on a, a hair trigger, shall we say. And if we get through a day without her going absolutely, completely mental, it is a huge victory. Do you do time-out step? Do you do time-out step? No, we started... So we started with no treats... If she flips out. I'm not going to lie, Rob. Yeah. She hasn't had many treats this week. <laughs> well, we do. We do uh, sometimes, though, like my three-year-old, we stick on the time-out step because uh, there can be a reason obviously she wants to be picked up. Take me through the time-out step, Rob. Well, time-out step would be like, uh, it's normally when they're just losing their shit and being bratty. So it's like, yeah. if you if you want some pudding, you need to eat your dinner. That's like a classic one, isn't yeah, it, yeah. right? Eat some vegetables and you can have your dinner, right? And he goes, but I don't want no veg. And just, got, you know, starts just screaming. I'm like... Yeah. The situation is, if you want pudding, you've got to eat that. There's no more discussion to have. And if you keep screaming, I just go, right, if you keep screaming, you're going on the timeout step. Whether It's not that it's not punishment for not eating the vegetable, but like her behaviour just doesn't accept when she's screaming. Yeah. And then sometimes the timeout step is quite good because you put them on the step and they go fucking mental. Yeah. But they're on the step and it's contained. And then when they quiet, calm down, then you go, right, look, you need to say sorry. This is what you've done. This is why you've been here. And then they sort of go back and it's sort of like, They've been snapped out of the situation because they yeah, sort of they're so stubborn. They get the heels in, and then it's just you two going back and forth with the timeout step. They don't want to go there, but it's not. It's only there for a couple of minutes, but they will just scream and go mental there, and then you can yeah. let them get it out of the system. Because yeah. my eldest, you could distract. My youngest is a bit like me. It just has to scream or she goes mental. Yeah. So you sort of let it let it get out of the system. That's oh. that's what we've been doing. Yeah. Because it gets a point where you feel guilty because you feel guilty because, oh, look, Rose is pregnant, so she can't pick her up. We feel bad because it's not her fault. She's just a kid. But she's just got to realise that stuff like this does happen. If Rose had broke her ankle or broke her arm and couldn't pick her up, it'd be the same. And she just sort of, it's sort yeah. of like they just have to learn that 
Oh, it, stuff God. is a bit annoying, but you can't scream about it. I, I'll be honest. You, you said a point there, and I thought, do I feel like that when you said you feel sorry for them? And you go, you do. Maybe two hours afterwards, when you think back, you go, oh, that. Yeah. at the time, I'd say I don't feel that sorry for her. I, I'd say at the time, I feel sorry for myself. I feel very <laughs> sorry for myself. You feel sorry for yourself in that situation. Um, I think this is really bad for me. That's what I think at that point. Yeah, okay, fair enough, yeah. It's good to be honest, isn't it? Afterwards, I think, oh, God, it, it, she is having a really tough time. But I'd say in the eye of the storm, my main concern is, can't I just fucking get on with my life without this bullshit? <laughs> but then afterwards, I think, poor little girl. Can't I just get on with my life without all this bullshit? That is That, that basically sums up parenting. Yeah, it really does. But... Do you know what, Rob? Yeah. It's magical. <laughs> it's a, do you know what? It's a magical time. Can I tell you about my Saturday? And I don't want to feel like I'm gloating, but I'm, this, look at yeah. this as sort of like inspiration of like what you're, okay. you're a couple of years away from, essentially. A couple of years. Right. <laughs> I know, fuck on. <laughs> right, so this is what happened, yeah? I went out on Friday night for a few drinks, right? I can talk about that later. But on Saturday, Lou had a baby shower for a friend in our garden, yeah? So rule of six, don't panic. And um, yeah. I had to have, take the kids out all day so that she could do this and it just give her a bit of space. So I took the kids. I was going to take them down to my mum's in Margate. So I said to my mum, oh, I'm going to bring the kids down. And she went, oh, cool. Yeah, Dad was saying he might go golf. Do you want to go golf? I was like, what? She went, yeah. If want... And then just drop the kids with me. I'll look after the kids all day and you go golf. So, Josh, on Saturday, I had to look after the kids all day. So I drove them to my mum's and then just went golf. Unbelievable. And then after golf, my dad went, do you want to get something to eat? We sat in the pub beer garden of the golf course and I had some sausage and eggs and a drink and just sat in the sun. And I went back and got my kids, picked them up, chucked them in the car. They fell asleep, brought them home, gave them oh to Lou God, because I'd had them all day. And then I went to the pub again and she did bedtime. Oh, my God, Rob. What a touch. That is unbelievable. And then on Sunday, Lou went to me, do you want me to take her little kickers? Because you had them all day yesterday. I went, Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Our lives are so different. And I, on paper, I did most of the parenting at the weekend. Yeah. Because right. I did all day Saturday. And did Lou know what had happened? Yeah, but then she sort of, I, I mean, I may have said driving range and not an actual full round of golf to her. <laughs> so I, wasn't, I didn't lie, I was at the golf course. And did your mum just look after the two, the two daughters, no questions asked? Yeah, she was, she was fine. So they just played in the garden. Oh my God. For the entire time. <laughs> oh. And then they went to the park. And then they were tired and I just popped him in the car and went home. Was there a point in your life when it was like mine? Yes. And I, that's what, and this was the first time I was like, oh, my God. I actually I felt like I was nearly getting out of the woods. But my head's yeah. out now. And then once we get the youngest into primary school, we're away. Yeah. We're back in the game, Josh. Just think, you're just five years away from that. Oh, my effing God. <laughs> It's, it's genuinely, I can't, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to play golf. 
Oh my god! <laughs> and yeah. I know that you got trashed on Friday because Ed Gamble told me. He said we had one pint with you. Yeah. And then you carried on and you texted him and you'd had like seven cocktails or something mad. Yeah. Well, Friday day, I did a photo shoot for the book cover, right? Because yeah. we've got to play. So, and then I'd finished at one o'clock and Paul uh, Sweeney, uh, comedian and barber, he did my air and he went, oh, I've got a table book with Ed. Do you want to go for a beer? And I just feed off the sun and people, Josh. And I had yeah, of a couple of pints with them. And then my mate Darren and his mate Dan were like, oh, we're around drinking. I was out till midnight. I rang a gamble, shit face, and I don't know what I said to him, but I was on the phone for 20 minutes. I drunk. <laughs> I drunk. They're, they're putting it out on their food podcast. Yeah, I drunk, I drunk 10 pints and seven cocktails. Oh, my right? God. And then I managed to get to Margate the next day. A little bit worse for you, but I drank in the day, not the night. So I wasn't over the limit, right? I I, I was hung over at that point. Yeah. Rule of six. Rule of six. Social distance, of course. Bob's your uncle. No laws were broken. And then I went out again on Saturday. So I was I was so hung over on Sunday to the point of like, if there was another lockdown, I'd be okay with it. Oh my God. I can't believe your life. Just to stay in for a bit. But that was my weekend. So like, we've had a very different week. I feel like we- I'm hosting this with fucking bears. <laughs> Where did you go out, Rob? Tell me about it so that I can try and live through it vicariously. Right, so we were Ed Gamble and Paul Sweeney because they're a little bit media lovey, aren't they? Had booked a table at Exmouth Market where it's all yeah. a bit fancy, isn't it? I was there until they yeah. kicked us out, and then because basically you just spend the entire day chasing the sun when you're drinking outside. I don't know yeah, if you've done of it course. yet. And then um, me and my mate Darren and Dan are a little bit—they're boxers, so they're a bit more oi oi, laddie laddie. We just went to um, a, Old Compton Street, and because they just put tables and chairs out, we just found a bench and I sat there for five hours. We were so drunk, Josh. At one point, I went to the barman, the waiter. Where are those cocktails we ordered? He went, you've had them. I went, pardon? <laughs> we went, no, we wanted the Sours one because he was working away through the menu. We want the Sours one. He went, yeah, that's it. He looked at his iPad. He went, it came out 18 minutes ago. I went, what, this one? And he smelt my drink. He went, yeah, that's the one. So we drank oh, them. And then, so gosh, it got God. really messy, but it was, I got overexcited because it was the first night out I've had from lockdown yeah. and stuff. But then it was back to, you know, Kids yeah. on Sunday and stuff, but you know, last and week was it impromptu? Been... Like, had it just you? Just, did you think you were doing this night out? No. So Paul said, "Do you want a quick beer oh, after the, the photo shoot?" Of all the nights, exactly. Out. And then I went out Saturday, but that one was a planned night out. But I was so hungover; it was very difficult for me to cope. Really, in that one, that was. Oh, I do, I do, I do. So I feel sorry for you in that situation. <laughs> yeah, it was. Do you know what time I went to bed on Saturday, Rob? Nine thirty. Why did you go to bed nine thirty? Because I just don't know. I just did. <laughs> Um, I've got I've, I've got parenting stuff to talk about though because I don't want all the parents getting annoyed that I'm the new you know I'm the new like party girl around town. I'm still doing parenting. Um, can I? I've got a couple of things to talk about parenting before we do the correspondence, Josh. Yeah. I was putting to bed my three year old the other night, and out of absolutely nowhere, just as we we're going to bed, I went, night, night, night. She went to me. Monkeys don't wear trousers. <laughs> She's right. She went. They, no, monkeys don't need trousers. It was they don't need trousers. I was like, okay, like, she'd been thinking about it all day. And I just sort of went, okay, and then went, went downstairs and thought, what the fuck was that? But she's right, Rob. They, they don't. Did you take it up with her the next day? Do you know what? I might ask her and just say, do they, I'll ask if they need jumpers or, yeah. you know, they don't need to be removing. Has she been reading a story about a monkey? I don't know. She, they're, they're still very high off monkey on the roof 
from uh, the Centre right. Parks trip. That's still a big thing oh, going okay. on. I want to be at that stage, Rob. I want to be at the monkeys don't need trousers stage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that you, you'll get there. Don't worry. You know, you've got to wait for the baby to be born first. But this, oh, I've got a, a, a slight moan. Wait for this baby to be born. Oh, a slight moan. Yeah, okay. about Louise, my wife. You know the Crosby's Law where something that annoys you about your partner's parenting? Oh, yeah. um, well, Lou likes to bring up previous arguments she's had with the children when they're calm. What, with the children? Yeah. So, for example, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, the other day I was getting out of the bath, so I got my ta- all the towels were in the wash, so it was this little towel that was probably too small to be used as a bath yeah. towel. No, for the girls. But, right. uh, you know, so it was, a very, it was like a hand towel, because it's so little, they could get away with it as a towel, right? Yeah. Anyway, and, they, and then they started crying and kicking off, going, it's too small, I'm cold, I'm cold, it's too small, I don't want it. And anyway, they had it, but they moaned about it, right? The next night, it's the same towel. I give it to them, and they've put it on no trouble and gone in the rooms. And then Lou went... That's the one you cried about yesterday. <gasps> Kick off again. I was like, what are you doing? Why are you? Oh, mate. Why are you bringing that Absolute up again? Absolute textbook. But what that's an a- error. It's so, it's so unnecessary, isn't it? Do you know what you're, Rob? Your house, when they're teenagers, is going to be, I am going to be fucking loving it. I, I, do you know what? I think I'm in, I'm in the eye of the storm. There's going to be some point scoring going on all, all ways between... All four of you. The trifecta. Yeah, when it's yeah, yeah, there's three. Wow, I, I was throwing you in, but I don't mean you, Rob. I'm I'm already slipping away <laughs> from conversations. Like I found myself becoming that sort of like husband that like has to pretend to care but doesn't really care anymore. Like we, we was having a conversation about moving something in the kitchen and doing the kitchen, and we're speaking to the builder person about it. And I and Lou sometimes goes a bit quiet when we talk to builders. So I went, yeah. oh, we would like the sink there, wouldn't we, Lou? <laughs> Just so, like, pathetic. <laughs> like, basically, <laughs> tell me again what you want so I can pass that message on to a geezer, please. Oh, God. Anyone who uh, has seen you on TV would know this is an astonishing thing to say. But I think in about 15 years, you're going to be one of those silent dads. Yeah, yeah. I, do you know what? I think, yeah, I think I'm just going to e- exist and just float around and, you know, because I, I, you know, I am very gobby and loud on telly, but a lot of those repeats you see of me on those shows, I, I literally had about eight quid in my bank account. So I was eager. I really, <laughs> really needed to make an impact on that show. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you see some other people make their debuts on panel shows and, you know, the parents have bought them a flat in London and they're just sort of floating around being comedians and they sort of say a couple of things. But I was I was real like dance for me monkey boy. I was. Yeah. And, I, and I still am to a point. I don't, know, I don't think we've ever discussed this. What is the worst? I'm sure people would want to. I know this isn't parenting. There must be one. What is the worst you've ever done on a panel show? Well, there was one that I rescued and then one that was just awful. So yeah. I was doing a Cat's Does Countdown very early doors. I, Lee Mack re- replaced Sean Locke. So I was on with Lee Mack and I look, I'm wearing a red jumper. I look about six. I got asked to do it last minute. So I flew in from Austria where I was doing gigs, had two hours sleep and then did Countdown. And I'm, I'm terrible at Countdown the best of time. And I was crap. And then Lee Mack went, oh, why have I got to have him on my team? And then the whole crowd were like, yeah, who is he? And I was like, oh, no. And then... <laughs> oh, God. I clawed that back by going, to be fair, though, I was promised Sean Locke to Lee Mack. Yeah. So that was fine. And I think that laugh saved me. It was like a little like, but when I did Would I Lie to You, that was probably the worst I've ever done on a panel show. Because they spoke about Banana Rama for so long. 
And I, 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 I was too young. I was the youngest on the show by about 25 years. And once you've gone ooh, a banana rama and then just been bullied for not being alive when banana rama in the charts, there's not much else you can say, is there? Yeah. Yeah. What would you, what's the worst you've ever done on a panel show? So now whenever I do a panel show, before I do it, I pack my bag. And that is because I can re- still remember how bad I felt having to pack up my bag after my one appearance on Nevermind the Buzzcocks. <laughs> what happened? Who was, who was hosting? The horn section. Okay. Hosting. Why was it so bad? Not their fault. So the, the other team was, I'd say, a more exciting proposition than... Uh, so Phil had been given me and Lewis Smith, the gymnast... The other team I would describe as the quirkiest group of people I've ever seen in my life. Who <laughs> was on the other side? Noel Fielding, obviously, yep. as captain. Tony Law. Yep. A comedian who is, Surreal, I'd say, yeah. makes Noel Fielding look pretty straightforward. Oh, yeah, he makes Noel Fielding look like Michael McIntyre. Yeah, yeah. To give you an idea, Tony Law had brought an array of hats, which he put on and off throughout the show, and Paloma Faith. So their oh team my God, yeah. made us look like the three biggest squares that had ever lived. <laughs> and then, Rob, yeah. within five minutes, I'd upset Lewis Smith quite badly. Oh, no. He's only put, what did you say? He's a gymnast geezer, isn't he, with a little moustache? Yeah. He'd won silver at the Olympics in gymnastics. Yeah. And he showed us that he could moonwalk early on. And it was oh, very wow. impressive. And I said... To nothing, I it's, should It ask. feels like a wedding between an accountant and an emo girl. <laughs> and it's just all got awkward on the dance floor. Some people are wearing really smart suits. Some people are just in jeans. They don't really get the vibe. Who's the more dominant partner? <laughs> well, not us. And then Lewis Smith did moonwalking. And I said, maybe if you'd done moonwalking, you would have won gold. Thinking that, that was That's funny. fair. That's a fair bit That's of banter. That's fair. No laugh. Plus, Lewis Smith goes, that's not on. (laughs) Not on! Come on, mate. (laughs) And then, little did we know that at the end, we were going to be surprised by a horn section song. Yeah. And you won't believe it. It was about me and Lewis Smith, and it was called something like Best of Friends. Oh, no. And And he hates you. We had to put our arms around each other and dance (laughs) to this song. This sounds awful. This doesn't just sound like your worst performance on a panel show. It sounds like the worst panel show of all time. <laughs> it was It was no fault of the horn section, obviously, because they couldn't have anticipated what would happen five minutes into the show. I had... You get a feeling when you're doing badly on a panel show. Did you get red? Well, Did you go red? No, but my legs had that... You know that feeling where you, like... Your legs feel like you're being told off. Yeah. And... Like like when you were being bollocked as a child, but two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, you know it's coming. Yeah. Oh. When I did Nevermind the Buzzcocks, you know where they perform the intro at you and you have to guess the song? Yeah. Like I had nothing, right? And then they went, oh, well that you got it wrong. That was Clean Bandit. I went, Clean Bandit? Who the fucking hell are Clean Bandit? And the girl was from Clean Bandit that had just been Oh, no. Oh, oh, wrong. Oh, it was awful. Oh, God. So I did all right on the show that I did last night, but I told an anecdote that played to complete silence. Oh, so you, oh, so you, did, a, you did a panel show last night. You can say what it is, yeah. can't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did something about movies yeah. uh, last night. And you did an anecdote to nothing? 
to the point where there was a look, Alan Carr, who I consider a friend and a lovely man, he had a look on his face that said, that can't be it. <laughs> and he is a generous guy. He's a generous laugh. You know, <laughs> he will laugh at almost anything to help out a friend. But yeah, that, exactly. It must have been bad then, Josh. If he it just had a look on his face of like, that isn't it, is it? <laughs> Could I say one more thing? And I promise we'll get back to parenting. One more thing yeah, on, sorry. on doing badly on a panel show. <laughs> it's worrying how much ammo we've got in our own terrible performances. Is there anything worse than saying something shit on a panel show and then someone saying something funny off it and then you watching it build into a really funny bit and you know that your unfunny bit at the start now has to make the edit to make all of the other things make sense? <laughs> And you're sitting there going, don't get another laugh. Whatever you're going to say next, don't get a laugh out of it. It's building. Can we move on here, guys? What what are you doing to me? This is building into a moment that was sparked by my failure. Let's not build it, guys. Let's keep it down. (laughs) Let's not make this a running joke throughout the show. (laughs) Let's not make me being shit at comedy the, the, the laugh. That can't be the joke. Sorry, we digress. We digress, right? Look, I've got some Instagram messages, and you've got some. Let's do some parenting stuff before this turns into just okay. Two old men moaning. All right, but can I just quickly say a parenting thing? Yes, please. I mistakenly, uh, this should be a uh, what's it called? Not Crystal Castle. What's it called? The thing where we where we where we complain about something posh? Glass houses. Ivory Tower. Ivory, Ivory Tower. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Michael sounded so furious. He's got to edit this fucking mess. It's all over the place today. We haven't made Michael said that like we've made that mistake sixteen times. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely furious. You know how long he spent on that jingle? Is there a jingle? I don't know. I don't listen back. I think if you listen back to your own podcast, you've got real mental health problems. I've got some absolute beauties here, which you'll enjoy considering the other podcast you do about um, 90s football. Um, This is from uh, Lizzie Crane. Was just listening to you guys chatting about Rob Zorigano from 2011. Was reminded of of around Christmas time 2019 at my granddad's house. He offered my husband and cousins beers, which they happily accepted. However, my husband turned down another one as the first was cloudier and lumpier than lager normally is. Oh, my God. Um, Normally, I don't know, like, it's slightly lumpy, some of the lager, but it was cloudy and lumpy. They'd all drunk them anyway out of politeness and thirst. When recycling the cans, we discovered the beers were covered in advertising for the World Cup in France 1998 and went out of date in the same year. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> oh, and also, well, that would have it probably been worth, would have unopened, would have been worth so much. Oh. I'd have, I'd have bought that off eBay. I can hear, I mean, I know he's, he's muted, but I know that Michael would do anything to own that can. Yeah, I know. That what what a can. The little little chicken it was a little chicken mascot, wasn't it? Right, this is an actual parenting one, not about my oregano. Here we go. So uh, uh, this is we, we you know I mentioned what you might be taking the kids to Australia to do a tour. Yeah, how's that going? Uh, absolutely not gonna happen. I've looked at the numbers, I've looked at the dates. There's no way I'm doing that. I'm going on my own for ten days. It's do you know how far away everything is? Rose, if you're listening. <laughs> just bear that in mind. Yeah, so what we're doing is I'm going to go out there and do a bunch of dates and then just leave them at home. And then it's better that way, I think, Josh, for everyone involved. Yeah, I think I think I can see why you've done that, Rob. It's like taking loads of tour managers and tour support, but all they do is make it harder for the gig to go well. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, you know, and the other way it is, is like going on a family holiday in which every evening 
your wife oh has to God. sit in a hotel room with sleeping children. Yeah, on her own. you have to do a gig you're very stressed about. Yeah, because I don't know about you. you don't know whether they've got Marmite over there. Yeah, because I don't know about you. On holiday, once you've been on the beach all day with the kids, you come home, you get everyone bathed and washed, and then you have something to eat, and then you do bedtime. What you really want to do is go on stage for an hour and a half. That, I think you, that's when you're at peak <laughs> performance. Yeah. Because that happened once. I took them down to Devon when I was doing loads of warm-up shows, right? And then we were doing stuff in the day. And then Lou hadn't seen me do a gig for like two years. And she was going to come to the show in the evening. And she went, oh, I'm not, because we were there with the grandparents. And she went, oh, I don't feel I'm going to come tonight, actually, to watch the show. I was like, oh, okay, why not? She went, I'm just a bit knackered to watch the show. I was like, we've done the same things. And I've got to fucking do the show. You can't even sit and watch it. Fucking hell. That's mental. Like, we've literally had the exact same schedule today. <laughs> And you can't watch it. I've got to fucking do it. <laughs> and then all I get is, oh, you just go around talking anyway, didn't you? you can't, you're too tired to watch it. Anyway, anyway, this is a story about someone that um, flew with children from Australia. This oh, is this God. this sort of prompted me not to uh, not not to want to do it. Hi, Rob and Josh. Listening from Melbourne, Australia, and love the podcast. In light of Rob's recent thoughts about flying to Australia with the kids, I thought I'd tell you guys about our flight from Australia to the UK back in 2012 with my 20-month-old daughter and six-year-old son. We were travelling to London for a family wedding. My brother-in-law was getting married in London during the 2012 Olympics and finding reasonably priced airfares and accommodation was impossible. The only way we could afford the trip was to go with the most budget airline we could find. Biggest mistake of our lives. As our daughter was under two, she was still classed as an infant, which meant she didn't have a seat. Instead, she would sit oh. in our laps and sleep oh in a bassinet. God. Looking back, I now know a 20-month-old is really a toddler and not an infant, so we should have just paid full price for our own seat. Within the first half hour of the flight, she refused to sit on either of our laps or lie in the bassinet and screamed every time we tried to make her do either. For the next day oh and a half... <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> for the next day and a half in the air, all I was trying to do was keeping her screaming at bay. We also oh. had no idea until they handed out the first meals that the infant ticket meant no meal for the infant. What? That meant... What? What? <laughs> no. Yeah. That meant in order for her to eat anything, we had to share our three meals between the four of us. Meaning, oh, my effing G. Meaning we were all hungry the entire time. <laughs> We, because oh they've gone pure budget. When I asked in desperation if a snack could be found for us, they came out of a small bag of peanuts, which my daughter is allergic to, and they had no other options. I think at that point I had a little cry. I was still breastfeeding her at the time, and it quickly became clear to us that the only way to keep her fed quiet and still would be to feed her. So I pretty much had her attached to my boobs the entire way to England. By the way, that, this is astonishing. we were so hungry by the time our plane landed for a stop in Dubai that we found a McDonald's and ordered the biggest feast of our lives, which took so long to be made and eaten, we almost missed our connecting flight and had to run through the airport. All four of us completely delirious by that point. Did I mention the cheap flights included two stopovers, which meant the entire journey was 40 hours? Oh, my God. We're not finished there, Josh. Anyway, a few more things before can I, I just, go. Sorry, can I just check? Yeah. Are they Australian? Sorry, I missed it at the start. Are they Aust are they English people coming home or are they Australian? I think they're Australian going? visiting for a wedding. So just for a wedding? Back. Yep. Oh. Brother-in-law oh. as well. She doesn't even want to go. This lady doesn't oh. even want to be there. God. Anyway, 
also, this is making me feel so much better about my life. Before I finish, only two of our three screens worked, which meant my husband and I had to watch movies in shifts. And the worst bit of all, no alcohol was served on the plane. What? When I asked for a glass of wine at one desperate point to take the edge off and was told there was no alcohol served on the flight, I truly think it was one of the lowest points of my parenting life. By the way, I never breastfed again. Literally, the flight killed all the joy I'd previously experienced while breastfeeding and we weaned her cold turkey as soon as we arrived in the UK. Wow. Anyway, the kids are 10 and 14 now and we survived the flight, but it was a fucking nightmare and I've learned the hard way. Never fly budget with kids. Did they have to go back? Yep, that's fly back. Oh, that is, that's the worst story of just the anxiety. 40 hours. And when you get tired, you can't think. Brutal. Oh my God, it was awful. But yeah, so that, that makes you feel a bit better, doesn't it, mate? Oh, I do feel better about my own life. I do feel better about my own life. I tell you, this will cheer you up. I've got another '90s football uh, in, the, in, yes, the, in the theme of cheering you up. Um, this is um, someone from Instagram, Rizard. Rizard, I think that is. Um, it's hard to tell with all these wacky Insta names. You know, when people have like different. There's like a capital letter in the middle just to be wacky. Anyway, yeah. Um, oh no, so it's Rizard, Rizard on Instagram, but my name is Rizzy. R-H-I-Z-Z-I. Hello, Rizzy. And I'm an avid LPH'er. I just listened on today's podcast about children interrupting sporting events and had to get in touch. My birthday is the 30th of June, 1998. As my dad rang his mum, my nan, to announce she had become a grandmother for the first time, she answered the phone with, Beckham's just been sent off. (laughs) It's 22 years on and my dad still won't let me forget that I made him miss the England-Argentina game in that year's World Cup. Your podcast has get me through trying to teach online in these crazy times. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Rizzy. I am so relieved that this baby is coming before the Euros. Uh, Genuinely, I think you are going to have one of the best Euros of your life. Okay? Yeah, I think Because... You can't, you're not working, you're not having... We're going to win it. You're not going to, well, we're going to win it. You're not working much because of the baby. You say because of the baby, that's what I'm trying to tell myself. Is it worth investing in some sort of Google glasses that you could just put on and you just what and it sort of beams a football into your head? Or like, I think you need to be looking at iPad, iPad stand, something that is flexible and movable, a clip that you could just yes. put to your leg or something. So that I can take it with me. Can I suggest something? Yeah. I think you should get some sort of like gilet that's utility belted up. And I, you know, like one man bands that have a harmonica chain, like neck, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. a metal thing that goes over their head and in front of them. And then you can just, <laughs> like your, and then you have like a phone holder with a football on. So if you're oh feeding, God. if you're holding, if you're going for a walk, your hands free. Oh, do you know what? I've earned this, Rob. You've earned it, Josh. No one will judge I've you for that. It. Anyone that sees you do that will go, fucking legend. Yeah. That's all they'll be thinking. And, and do you know what? They'll be they'll be right. They'll <laughs> be, be absolutely right. right. You, could, you know, um, something in your shed, put something in your shed. Attach a clip for the the buggy so you when you're walking through the park, you can have the football on and then your headphones in and then you can run a hotspot off your phone. Yes. Well, t- I tell you, I can't wait to go back to, the ch- to having a child who I don't feel guilty about looking at my phone in front of. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. A child who I can push around the park and I can put my headphones in and that's not a bad thing to do because they're yes. three weeks old. It's not 
And in a way, what you could, what I would do is maybe stick them like funny colour things or like weird shapes onto the back of the iPad or phone so that as you move and look, it moves and engages with the kid. Oh, there we go, that's, And then that's a good there parenting act. You know, because really the beauty of parenting is not having to engage with children that are that young. The infant stage, when you don't have to actually engage with them. You know, because with the first one, you try and pretend that they go, oh, look, they're looking at me, aren't they? No, they're not. They're looking at fuck all for about eight months. They're absolutely not. They don't care. They just want milk and sleep. Do you know what I'm going to say, Rob, about uh, young children? Yeah, go on. About ahead. babies? Yeah. I'm going to come out and say it. I don't want to hold your baby. I've got no interest. You're not saying that to Rose, are you? No, I'm not saying that to Rose. <laughs> I like holding my baby. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm 100% the same. I, do not make, do, I do not want to hold your, that's why, that's why I've never really run for office or to be prime minister. I, the thought of having to hold a random baby. It's more than Like some say. sort of peer, personal appearance. <laughs> no, but I, I'm 100%, I do not want to hold anyone's baby. Couldn't give a shit. I no. couldn't give a shit. But you have to. And yet, I, there's so much more to lose than there is to gain by holding someone's baby. I don't even like holding a dog. A little dog, just in case you drop it. Never mind a baby. Do you want to hold my baby? Of course I don't. In the same way, I don't want to hold your vase. Do you know what I mean? Like Also, as well, there's a bit of like a annoying attention-seeking power play and like taking someone's kid and getting them to sleep to be like, look, I can do it. Because that's not helpful. Because all you do is you make the parent feel like shit. Exactly. I mean, exactly. it's quite helpful. Like if you at something, they go, oh, do you mind? I'm knackered. And you try and do it if you're like the grandparent or something like that, or you are literally helping them. But like when people go, oh, no, let me have a hold. I go, look, I've got them to sleep. You know, that sort of showy offy kind of person. You sort of yeah. think, oh, fuck off. Absolutely F off. Right. Hi, Josh and Rob. This is from Anna Vigors. Mm. So my son was around one and a half when this took place. I want to make it clear that he's absolutely fine and healthy and I'm now a more vigilant parent. I love I, lo- I love this email already. Yeah, it's a good start, isn't it? Because now I've got free reign to laugh at the horrific thing that's going to yes. be explained, but we now know he's safe and it's fine. He's safe and fine. It was a warm spring day and I was rushing about trying to prepare to leave the house to take myself and two kids to the local breastfeeding support club, a.k.a. boob club. We went for the banter and the biscuits and the occasional bit of child support advice. In my haste to get the drinks sorted and into Tommy Tippy cups for our journey, I grabbed and filled my son's cup with organic apple juice concentrate. I then filled it up with water and off we went. On arrival at Boob Club, my son got out of the pushchair, started laughing uh, like a nutter and walking into a wall. One of the mums said, he looks like an old drunk. We laughed. Uh... (laughs) Because he did look wrecked, to be fair. It was only when I was refilling his cup that he had absolutely necked that I smelled. It was not apple juice, but vodka. The vodka and blackberry stuff we had recently made and decanted into the exact same bottles, but forgotten to label. I know he's fine now, but this still seems bad. Yeah, it is bad. He's fine. (laughs) He's fine. He's He's fine. fine. He's fine. How far can that caveat get you without it being a problem? <laughs> sure, he's fine now, don't worry. I was absolutely mortified, but my sense of humour took over and I announced to everyone that I thought he may indeed be pissed up on homemade vodka and blackberry. The reception was lukewarm. The laughs turned to straight faces. Um, yeah. I was a terrible mum. I gave him water, milk and any kind of carb I could find to try and sober him up. <laughs> Oh, no. oh my God. He was thankfully absolutely fine. Slept well that night. 
uh, but I didn't. What a palaver. Oh, my God, you'd feel so bad. And it's so such like a, a quick error. Oh, do you know what, though? It makes me feel really good about me being a parent. Yeah, that kind of thing done is an that. absolute win, isn't it? <laughs> really, let's be honest. That kind of email is exactly what this podcast is for. Yes, exactly. Um, thank God for the caveat. Thank God for the caveat. Now, Rob, shall we end with some shout-outs to small businesses? Yes, I've got one for you, brother. Go on. This one, um, it's not a new business, but it's a family-run local business. And also, I only just found out they did this, and I like this, so I think I'm going to spread the word. Okay, so this Manzi's Pie Mash Shop, Josh. Yeah, Manzi's Pie Mash Shop in South London, South East London? No, I don't. So it's a pie mash shop. Um, it was opened 119 years ago, and we are now on the fourth generation. Still the same family? Yeah. So Emma and her husband, Tom, um, are running it now with Emma's dad, Rick, and they will hopefully pass down the business to their two little boys one day. They're big fans of the podcast. We offer chilled, because obviously Pie Mash Shop has been shut with a lot of hospitality venues, but now, and they uh, this is a quite a new thing, because Pie Mash Shop is so old school and traditional, they don't always, some of them shut at 2 p.m. because that's just what they used to do. But now they offer chilled deliveries all over mainland UK at www.manzi, that's M-A-N-Z-E.co.uk oh, for people missing their pie and mash that, are, that may have moved out of London. Instagram is at Manzi Pie and Mash. Thanks so much. Take care and look forward to uh, coming to, uh, come to see us on tour. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, and we are welcome to come down and learn to be pie makers one day if you want, Josh. Oh, well, there we go. Something to fall back on, considering how it's going on panel shows. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, 120 years have been going and you can order and you can, they do liquor and eels. So if you've never had it, it's a good way to try it. I definitely not have the jelly deals. No. Um, they're horrific. Not, not Manzi's ones, just in general, but the stewed ones are nice. But yeah, so if you want pie mash, you can get it now anywhere in the UK. There we go. Okay, here is one. This is from Honeyborn Jewellery. So we mm-hmm. love your podcast and listen to it in our jewellery shop and workshop on the sunny Isle of Wight. We're a small, independent, family-run business. Amongst lots of things, we make and create these pieces which make the perfect Father's Day gift. Your child's drawing translated onto key rings, pictures, and pendant charms. It would make our day if you could give us a shout-out. Honeyborn Jewellery, that kind of thing, is absolutely a winner, and I wish I'd thought of that about 20 years ago. <laughs> What's... <laughs> This 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 feature is not for you to steal the ideas of small businesses, Josh. <laughs> we're supposed to be promoting them, not go. Yeah, that, web, that website is joshwidicom.com. <laughs> What's there? Have they got an Instagram? Uh, they've got a website. That's all I've got. H o n e y honey honey yep. born b o u r n e jewelry, which is jewelry.com. I think it'd be I think it'd be really unfair to steal the ideas i think we should just promote it you know would you like beckett and widdicombe's pie mash yeah if you've got any good if you've got a small business that's a good idea do send them in and we won't read them out but we might start a very similar business. this would be like a very like like low level dragon's den where we just basically steal the idea without offering any money exactly i'm in and i'm having 100 percent for free thank you very much so honeyborn and manzies are our shout outs this week i'm um, sending you small business shout outs and we'll do our best we, we get a lot in but we, we try and read out as many as we can don't we josh yeah Particularly we've had a very slow week, we'll read out more. So <laughs> that's how it works. 
If nothing's happened to us, there'll be about 70 of those. Also, as well, I should say, thank you very much to Charlie Baker. There's been such a big yes. um, positive uh, response to him talking about miscarriage and, and trying trying for babies and stuff. And, um, yeah, he's um, if you go and follow Charlie Baker's uh, Instagram, he's got uh, links if you are interested in that kind of thing with the Miscarriage Association. And I think it's called Silver Star um, yes. Babies, which is a, uh, a the charity that he was using when he was trying and it's um Charlie Baker comedian is his name on Instagram go and follow and he's got links on there to the Silver Star Babies and Miscarriage Association for anyone that maybe wants a bit more uh help and guidance on on the matter but yeah thank you Charlie for being so yeah. honest and also he texted me to say how nice you know how much the response has meant to him yeah he said that in the insta feed he said it was really you know quite, I think a bit choked up about the insta feed everyone was so positive and it was obviously quite difficult for him to talk about so thank you very much Charlie well done on you because I think it's a it's a good thing to talk about yeah um so, Josh, Friday, it's a big day for us. It's episode 100. The one zero zero, the old century. The old ton up, the old one and two O's. Raising our bats to the pavilion, Rob. Ah, oh, the old one more than 99. One exactly. less than 101. The old big 100. <laughs> the old sign that the, the idea is running out of steam. <laughs> Yo, get a letter from the Queen. Hundy, the old... 50 times two. Anyway, we've got Ellis James to celebrate the Big on 100. Returning. We thought, because yeah. the thing with this show is, obviously, parenthood changes and mm. people's experiences change. And so we thought it'd be nice over the coming months to occasionally revisit favourite yes. favorite friends to see how they're getting on. Yes. Well, maybe tag us on Instagram and tag us on um, Twitter and tag in the guest you want to return, and we'll try and um, yes. tap them up that way. Um, we've had loads, haven't we? 100 episodes, Josh. Doesn't yeah. time fly? Doesn't time fly? i tell you what we should maybe play on Friday before the Ellis uh, interview is, I've got the voice note of you coming up with the idea for this podcast. Brilliant. Which is quite funny. We'll right. try and find that and play it out. Look forward to it. We will see you later. Bye. Bye. 